Welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 251. It's coming out on August 31st, 2022, as we run up to that general election for the midterms, aka no president running. However, we're going to have a governor election on this term. I think I'm going to entitle today's episode... Wednesday woes, not in woes as in, oh, woe is me, the world is over, but as in, whoa, we need to stop or whoa, we need to slow down. Let me say that on the one hand, I, <laughs> I feel all the time like I need to re-justify that I'm a Republican in good standing <laughs> and, it, and it's humorous to me because I probably do as much or more than most Republicans to get the message out, to tell people about what we say we believe, the actions we want to take. Um, But every precinct chair, which I am, does things a little different. Some are very good at raising money. Some are really good and faithful uh, block walking their precinct. Some prefer to just do literature. Some prefer to meet people in independent coffees and some people just like to go out and about and meet people socially and talk about the good things the party offers. So I will say that I claim to be none of the above. What I mean is, is that I do a little bit of everything. I'm not afraid to block walk, but man, that is just Not the most favorite thing in the world. Now, I will tell you from personal experience, it is useful. It is beneficial. And if you do it with a group of people, it's actually fun. Uh, As far as putting out the message in small gatherings, yeah, I can do that. I've done that. Um, I don't schedule a lot of them. As far as going to events, I do that. You know, if I'm I'm giving the mic, (laughs) well, I'm going to... Put my 10 cents, even though you only asked for my two cents in, and I'm going to do my best to articulate the liberty principles and where the party stands and remind everybody that the uh, principles are what drives the party. And if the party isn't going to stand by their principles, then what's the point of the party? And then lastly, I have this podcast, and this is kind of my uh, passion project. It's what I do to teach to explain and to pontificate on the things that are going on. But ultimately, everything drives down to things that happen at the local level, whether it's the school board, the city council, or even the commissioner's court. And yes, at the state level, they get brought in what I see, what I hear, and I interpret it to the best of my abilities so that I can articulate it to everybody else that may be curious as to what's going on. And I try and package it in 25 to 35 minutes on as many episodes as I can get out in a week. I'm shooting for a minimum of three, topping out at five a week. The idea being is I'm not here to sell you on the Republican Party. And while I don't belong to the Libertarian Party, 
I have a deep affinity for those folks and what they do. Um, and while I have some major issues with the Democrat Party, I still firmly believe there are good Democrats out there. And those are the people that I want to find and talk to and communicate with. So in doing so, I think some of my fellow Republicans get a little worried. They want to cast doubt or shade, if you perhaps prefer that term, on me and what I'm up to. Well, a person that I know very well and trust has always said, I'm a Christian first, I'm a conservative second, and then I'm a Republican. I think that's a pretty good way to look at things. I might say, I'm a Christian first, I'm a liberty advocate second, and I'm a Republican third, would be for me personally, but I don't see that the three are mutually exclusive, and I think they coexist together quite well. Now, when I look at the landscape of Texas or Cowlin County, I see that a good number of people run for office or they talk about an issue or a topic and they always want to slam the Democrat. They always want to say, well, we can't let the Democrats win or yes, I know that you're not happy with me, but I'm not a Democrat. And to me, that's just not a winning practice. That's not the way a leader speaks to other people. That's not a way to inspire people to get off their duff and get involved. Now, we have a couple of local people that are quite good at inspiring people to get off their duff and get involved. One of them has their uh, own channel and their own page. You would know him as KD. I know him as Kyle. Same person. He works his tail off. He travels the state. He travels anywhere and everywhere he can go to go find out what's going on at the ground level in every incident. Now, I think it'd be fair to say is Kyle's relatively new to the game. By the game, I'm referring to politics in general, the Republican Party specifically. But I think that he has probably accomplished more in the last three years than, quite frankly, a lot of elected officials have done in a dozen years. And I'm happy to help him whenever I can. I'm happy to communicate with him whenever I can. There are other people that I'm not going to name, probably because I don't necessarily lump them in with me. Uh, but Kyle's fearless, and I know he won't mind me bringing him up. But there's not a doubt in my mind that nobody's perfect. But Kyle doesn't start off by saying, well, you can't vote for the Democrat. Oh, you, you the Democrats are just so much worse. No, no, he talks and inspires from the point of fact that we can do better. We are good patriots and we need to cause other people to step up, to get involved, to be worried. Now, the guy has more energy than I do, and I think I'm at least, I don't know, let's say at least six years younger than he is, which is not to say I don't work my tail off, but, <laughs> man. So I just, I say that because I'm trying to give you two sides of the same thing, right? Right. You've got these people that run out there and they just start with, well, we can't let the Democrat win. Well, we can't have a Democrat in there without saying what they're bringing to the party. Kyle looks at it from the, well, we've got our people in there, the Republicans or the conservatives or whatever. 
But we need to demand better. We need more from them. And and I, honestly, he and I are in complete agreement on that. And I've talked about that. Basically, every conversation I've ever had with somebody in the oh so many years I've been involved is, you don't start with, I'm not that, or I'm better than that. You start with, this is what I'm bringing. This is what I want to do. And yes, we're going to have to agree to disagree on these issues or um, you know, this specific issue is not a priority in my worldview, but we agree or disagree on that. And this is what I want to see done. That's what inspires me. That's what gets me excited. That's what makes me want to go help other people is when they're willing to put out there. This is what I'm doing. This is what I believe in. This is where I put my value. I put my money where my mouth is. I put my, I invest my time into these issues. I got to tell you. The Republican Party does a lot of things well, but a lot of our candidates, that's all they got. I'm not a Democrat. I mean, that that is the essence of what they're running on. Oh, they'll give you all the platitudes. They'll they'll put on a nice mailer. They'll they'll tell you what you want to hear. They put the tickle in your ear, if you will. But at the end of the day, when they're up for the general and the grassroots are grousing because, well, we have our second or third choice... All you hear is, well, you can't have the Democrat in there. It'd be the end of the world if the Democrat wins. The sad thing is, is they're not far from the truth. If we look around the rest of the country and we see the other states where the Democrats are firmly in control, they're running that car over the cliff at 150 miles an hour. And quite frankly, I'm not quite sure how they haven't gone over the cliff yet. But it's as if they look for fine, they look to find ways to accelerate even faster. California, for instance, wants to ban sales of gasoline-powered engines in cars by 2035. Now, a friend of mine told me yesterday that there are 30 million registered vehicles in California. So let me ask you, from what I understand about a electric vehicle is the amount of power that is utilized to recharge a vehicle is the equivalent of running the AC and refrigerator in your house all day long. And we're just using gross generalizations here, so don't get lost in the specifics. So if that's the case, and we have, say, I don't know, 40 million homes, and it's probably not that high. Let's say it's 25 million homes in California. And we go and nearly double that by charging cars. And... So just to be fair, I don't believe you're going to have more than 10 million electric cars in California. And I'm going to also go so far as to say there's probably only 20 million homes that require electricity. Just I'm going to lowball it. And we're going to say right now it's 20 million. And by adding these 10 million cars, we're actually giving a 50% increase. Now I ask you, do you think the power grid, which is barely handling 20 million homes, is going to be able to handle the equivalent of 30 million homes? Oh, and by the way, you can't have any gas power production. You can't have any coal power production. And you can't have any, oh, I don't know, nuclear powered production. That just seems to me to be a recipe for doom and gloom. <laughs> that would be a woe, as a woe unto you, California. But I got to say, what I see in Texas is, 
we're not doing anything substantially different. Yes, we're going to put up solar farms. Yes, we're going to put up wind farms. But we don't have the means to, I don't know, store or to level out the production with that. We don't have any nuke plants coming online. We have coal, which is fine, but we should have more gas plants. So my, I sit back and I ask myself, well, why don't we have more of these plants? Why can't we produce more electricity? Well, the state would tell you it's all the Fed's fault. And whether or not that's true is largely irrelevant, which would take me back to my commentary for Tuesday, which, you know, of course, is Texas Tuesday. If Texas is its own independent nation, we don't have to worry about the EPA and the feds to build new power production plants. Now, as I also pointed out, the guy that was also concerned in that uh, Dallas Observer article that we would gut the Clean Air Act, um, no, I, I'm fairly confident that natural gas plants are quite clean. I'm even more confident that nuclear power plants are even more clean. And if we were to, I don't know, use something called thorium, it might be even better yet. So I ask you, why aren't we doing this? I would conclude, based upon what we hear, is because if they were to actually do the things that would make things better, they wouldn't have anything to run on. They wouldn't have anything to point the figure at the Democrat for. Now, there are progressives, there are socialists, and they largely infest the Democrat Party, which is not to say they're not also in the Republican Party. They have no desire to see us successful. They have no desire to see us do well. So what I would prefer to say is the Republicans are running on a liberty platform as opposed to always attacking the progressive platform. Instead of saying, this is what we're against, this is what we're for. These are the things we want to do. This is how we can do it. Oh, the platitudes sound great. They make good sound bites. But if you don't have a specific or a general idea of how we're going to get there, it's not very convincing. Okay, part two. We've talked about this a little bit. <laughs> and... Uh, we have seen firsthand in the last couple of years the school districts and what they've done and how they treat us and how they see our children. And they'll tell you, quite frankly, they own our children. Yes, you can't go check on your children during the school day. Oh, well, that's a security measure. We're trying to protect those children. Oh, sure. But they think they own your children. They want to indoctrinate your children. In fact, they are indoctrinating your children. And they've been successfully doing that for at least two generations. When you look at the voting patterns, which I know it's the same but different, right? When you look at the voting patterns and you see young people come out and they're definitely skewed left of center. They're definitely opposing the way things were in Texas. They're taught to hate their ancestors. They're taught to hate everything about Texas and the United States and, quite frankly, white people. So one wonders, why do we as parents or grandparents allow this to continue to happen? The answer, or the short answer, the most forgiving answer is we have to work to support our families so we trust that the school district's going to do the right thing by our kids. But I'm here to tell you, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that's not the case. So that leaves you with three options. 
One, you fight back and you try and retake control of the school district. Okay, we'll get into that in a minute. Number two, you say the heck with this and you pull your kids. And then that leaves you with two decisions. Do you teach them yourself or do you use a co-op slash private school? Or actually, it's three distinct options, I suppose. Teach them yourself, teach them in a co-op, which is some combination thereof of you teaching and somebody else teaching, or a private school. Now, if you're like most people in our society, you can't afford to give up, we're just going to roughly say 20% of your disposable income to educate your child when you're already having money taken from you based upon the perceived value of a piece of property that you live in under threat of a gun to your head or under threat of violence with a gun to your head, I guess would be the more appropriate way to do it. I mean, the whole basis of a property tax is to spread out the burden of educating the next generation. That's what they sold us on. But I ask you, would there not be a scholarship program? Isn't there maybe something we could work out where parents that can't afford a private school for their children might actually still be able to educate their children? And while we can say society as the whole benefits from the society as a whole getting an education, if that education is equivalent to what a sixth grader got 30 years ago or what a, I don't know, an eighth grader got 20 years ago, what is the purpose of putting your kid in 12 years of education slash indoctrination in your local school district when you have almost no control over it, when you ask questions about it, they fight you back. And quite frankly, your school district doesn't work for you. And oh, by the way, when you think that you change things by electing a new school board representative, they're informed this is the program and you have to go along or we'll crush you. And oh, by the way, the superintendent that we hire and is supposed to work for us is actually driving the agenda and what happens. Now tell me that how that isn't the tail wagging the dog. Tell me how that isn't the inversion of what our representative government's supposed to be. Now look, I know there's 30% of the population out there that is all on board with some form of socialism or progressivism. Okay, fine. But why do they get to dictate the terms of what happens with our children? Why do they get to dictate the terms of how our school districts work? It's because we've allowed them to do it. Even if we're not 55% majority, even if we're only 35%, that's still a plurality that we can articulate to the middle. Uh, You see what these guys have done for the last 40 or 50 years. Do you think things are better? Do you think this is benefiting our posterity? I think the answer is clearly no, yet they have made it clear that they think they own our children and we tolerate that brings to mind what happened in Prosper yesterday. I wasn't there. I don't know all the details. And quite frankly, I can't claim to know all the details. But what I can tell you is when I was a young man in the 80s, I'm fairly certain if somebody would have done that to a little girl, he probably would have got a visit by, I don't know, the local watchdog group. Perhaps some of those fathers that protect the elementary schools would have paid them a little visit. I'm not sure what would have happened in that visit, but I'm fairly certain he wouldn't have been continuing to come around. 
And I would say that probably going back to the 40s, it may have been a little more kinetic. In fact, I would imagine that the calls for the superintendent would have expanded to the entirety of the board being sent home packing because they were more concerned about the reputation and burying this embarrassment than actually doing the right thing. Now, whether that's directly the superintendent's fault or the school board's fault is largely irrelevant. It's when it was brought to their attention, what did they do about it? Now, as little as a year and a half ago, everybody looked at Prosper ISD as the ideal, the gold standard. This is what we want. Indeed, teachers were fleeing Frisco to go to Prosper. I mean, that's what we've heard. That's what we've seen evidence thereof. And this is what they do. They hide a molester. They protect a pedophile. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that a bad word? I mean, we give cover to groomers in most of the uh, local school districts. Oh, we don't call it that. We say there's some reason why we need to have those books in the school district. And then the flip side of this is you have people that actually mean well, that think we're trying to ban books, that think that that's the ultimate goal. I don't believe that at all. If you want to go to Barnes and Noble and buy it, fine. If you want to go and acquire it for your kid because, you know, your kid's confused and wants to have a better understanding of whatever, You can go get that for your book. Nobody's banning that book. We're just not going to provide it in the school district. That's what these people are saying is, yes, this is inappropriate for an elementary school. If you're not going to utilize the safeguards that should be readily available, we're going to say, just take them out of the school district library altogether. Do you think that's maybe too far? Well, yeah, I'm I'm certain there's 30% of you that, quite frankly, have been brought up to believe all the platitudes and that it should stay there and it's not hurting anybody. Well, I'm here to tell you these other folks don't see it that way. They see it as the government is subsidizing bad behavior. They see it as that you're perverting the children and grandchildren that they're wanting to raise and that you're doing it under the guise of tolerance, diversity. They're not buying it anymore. There's really the equation that you could have a neutral secular school is being shown to be a fraud. At least the way it's being done now. These people aren't going to continue to tolerate the idea that a school district believes that they, that the district owns their children, that the society owns their children. Now I know a former secretary of state former senator, former president's wife, who told us that it takes a village to raise a child. And some of her acolytes have gone so far as to say that your children belong to us. Indeed, many of the school districts have, I forgot what the correct legal term is, but they have custody of your children until such time that you take your child out of the school. And I understand why that may necessarily be something there 
for extreme purposes, but I think they take it to the nth degree. They think that so long as that child sets foot on the school, that they are in control of your child's life. And that's clearly not what the intent was. That's clearly not what most parents want. But I'm here to tell you, as a parent, you've abdicated that responsibility the moment you turned your child over to the government school system. You own your children, not the government. And I know that sounds like an icky way of phrasing it. But until your child is an adult or an emancipated minor, you are responsible for everything about that child, for good or for bad. So you need to act like it. You need to protect your child. You need to protect your grandchild. I would say by any means necessary, but I think some people might take that the wrong way. But the fact of the matter is, it's up to us as parents or grandparents to do the right thing for our next generation and the succeeding generations. So, slow down, come up with a plan of action, come up with a replacement for this. Yes, you can go in and toss the bums out, but if you're just going to replace them with more bums, you haven't actually changed anything. Yes, you can drive out the superintendent, but if you just get another replacement superintendent that's going to do the same thing, what was accomplished? You have to look at it with a strategic goal in mind. You have to be willing to say, what do we do next? Okay, we know that there are several members of the school board that fail us in these ways. They need to be replaced. And in the process of looking for the replacement, we need to find good people that we can trust to better articulate our concerns to stand for us, to be willing to deal with some abuse, to fight the good fight, win, lose, or draw. Now, we have accomplished that in McKinney. We got Chad Green across the finish line, and for the last year and a half, he's been viciously attacked by the other six members of the school board and by our own mayor because he dared to question the narrative. He didn't go along to get along. Then I look over to Frisco. So we got Stephanie Elad and Marvin Lowe across the finish line. They're opposed to some of this stuff that's going on. And I'm certain to some degree they've already started to face abuse. <coughs> they've already started to face the consequences of standing up to what's going on. We saw the example play out just this last month in Florida in the primaries, they tossed a bunch of bums out. But the question is, did they get good people to replace them? So I ask you, you're in Prosper. You're concerned about your school district. Do you have good people to run? Do you have good people prepared to take those seats and look after your children? Now I'll tell you, Wiley ISD, same problem. They have actively recruited a slate of candidates to run. I'm confident that they'll get a few of them over the finish line. I'm confident that they're going to look to see how can we improve the situation. I imagine Allen ISD is doing the very same thing. I know that they've got 
at least two candidates off the top of my head that are running. They're putting together a game plan and they're just saying, look, we've ignored this for far too long. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to get our people to run and our people to start questioning what's going on. Unlike myself, most of these people think that public slash government education is a good thing and that we need to fix it and make it better for our children. I don't necessarily completely agree with them. If it was in my perfect world, I would shut them all down and sell them off to private schools. But it's not my perfect world. It's the world we live in now. So I have to be open-minded and how's the best way to fix the situation as it is the world that we live in and the world that we live in likes government schools and quite frankly it does provide a service that we all benefit from to some degree unfortunately they have seized control of it the progressives the socialists they run the school districts and they are giving us the outcome that is inverting our desires they're destroying what it is we looked to accomplish with government education. Now, some would say, well, if you go back to Dewey, he was quite clear. The children who know how to think for themselves, they spoil the harmony of the collective society that is coming. Wherever we want, or I'm sorry, where everyone would be interdependent. That's from 1899. That's over 120 years ago. And Horace Mann, the guy that brought this in and spread it around the country, they knew what they were doing. They wanted to create a whole society of good industrial workers. And when the industrial workers were no longer needed, they needed good paper pushers, good drones, people that could sit and code, if you will. Follow the directions. Oh, they... Say they want artists. They say they want, you know, people that are creatives, but only if they fit within their narrative, only within their narrow understanding of what it is that they're looking for. But I'm here to tell you, that's not what benefits society in the long term. That's not what's best for the United States or Texas, for that matter. But we can address these issues. And right now, for lack of a better word, there is an assault at the state level. The State Board of Education right now is looking at a rewrite of many things that have been established and working fairly well. The problem is, is the state has control, but they don't utilize it. The problem is, is the independent school districts are independent, but they don't act like it. The problem is, is the parents who should be running those school districts have largely sat by and let it be usurped by bad actors. And we're in the process of correcting that. We're in the process of addressing that. Now, I know there's some people out there that see CRT or ESL or whatever the latest term is, is a boogeyman. We need to be afraid of it. We need to hate on it. I'll tell you, it's all an outgrowth of a Marxist progressive worldview. CRT is based on critical theory, which is based on Marxist theory. So, is it necessarily poisoned because it came from that root? Yeah, probably. Is there something that could potentially be learned from? Maybe, but at a college level. They say, well, that's that's not actually in our curriculum. Yeah, I don't believe you. See, because you're doing it through praxis. You're putting the theory into practice. And when you're teaching other 
subjects, you're inserting that in there. So you're putting just that little bit of poison in there. It's like the analogy of, you know, I'm going to make you pizza and I put just a little bit of poo on it. You still good with eating that pizza? You still want your sandwich with a little bit of sewage in it? You feeling good about that? Just that little bit of sewage? It won't kill you. Nobody wants to willfully and knowingly ingest poison. But yet we allow our children to do that every day when we send them to government schools. Now we can fix it in the temporal sense that, quite frankly, the majority you want. We can go to the school districts. We can assert ourselves. We can elect good people. We can fix it from the top down. But I'm here to tell you that they have been hiring teachers that while they may not necessarily sign off on everything, they've been educated by people that believe the same things. They've been taught this is how you're supposed to do your job by people that are already in that camp. I don't know how you fix that. And many of us, myself included, we think that, well, you know, I don't believe the majority of teachers are actually okay with this. I can't believe that 51% of the teachers actually think this is the best way to educate children. But then my question is, where are they? What are they doing? Why aren't they saying, well, your little Johnny and your little Susie aren't going to get the education that you all are paying for if we spend time doing this stuff that is counterproductive, that doesn't give them an appropriate outcome? I wonder where they're at. Now, some have said, well, they're afraid of their jobs. They're, they're afraid they'll lose it. They'll, they're going to lose their pension. Stand up already. Just stand up. You won't know what it's going to cost you if you aren't willing to take a risk. And I'll tell you, most of these school districts can't find enough teachers. So if you're a good teacher and you have some questions or you have some problems and you are that scared, hey, Find your one or two good members of the school board. Talk to them on the down low. Let them know what's going on. See if they can help you. Don't be afraid. Don't hide in fear. That's not the way we fix things. I guess there's more I could say on this. But really, I've gone 35 minutes almost. And I think y'all had enough. (laughs) So this is a Wednesday. The woe is slow down. Make sure you have a plan. And implement your improvements. And work to get the outcome you desire. This was episode 251. It is August the 31st. And until tomorrow, I will see you on the other side. Oh, one last thing. Don't forget to like, share, comment, critique the show. It matters. It helps. We've got to get the word out. We can do better. It just takes a little work. Now, I'll see you on the other side.